everyone, and welcome back to the Coventry Wellness Center podcast. We are so glad that you are here and that you're following along with these great conversations with friends of the center. And today we have Jeff Brody on with us, and he is certainly a friend of the Covey Wellness Center, and we have partnered with him in his ministry at Conexus to serve a lot of their uh, congregants as well. And we're really excited to have this conversation today about sort of the intersection of you know, church and mental health and all the things around that. So we're going to jump right in um, Love it. so that we can get to it. But Jeff, maybe just for our listeners, tell us a little bit about what you do, where you're located, just to kind of place them in your bio details a bit. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, Sarah, privileged to be here and thanks so much for having me. We love what your team does. We think it's so important and we love the opportunity to partner with you. So it's going to be a fun conversation. Uh, we've talked before, so I've been looking forward to hanging out. Um, yeah, Connexus Church. So we've got a location in Barrie and a location in Aurelia and a pretty large online following. And uh, I've been doing full-time ministry for probably 23 years. I used to be a high school teacher. That's how I met my wife, Leslie. Uh, we got we two boys, that. Gavin and Carter, one at U of T and uh, one in 10th grade in high school. And um, yeah, just really, pa- I love people. I'm passionate about people and uh, I'm excited for the conversation today. Yeah, that's awesome. I forgot that we both have first careers as high school teachers and then we moved into the capacity we're in now. So that's a that's a cool connection that um, you're reminding me of today. So a little while ago, speaking of Connexus, you had done, I, I can't remember just the the timing of it. It might've been a, a year ago, the beginning of yeah, last year. Yeah, that's right. January, uh, January, 2022. Okay. So uh, January, um, 2023, sorry, January, 2023. I know it all blurs together. Does anyone, we're just pre and post COVID now, like, right. We don't, we don't know our, our years, but um, you did a sermon series for Connexus, which I participated in to talk um, in your uh, trauma discussion. But you were talking about how, you know, mental health is really an invitation to become spiritually curious. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that. That was something that you introduced. And I thought that's a great way of thinking about it. And I would just love for you to talk a little bit more about that relationship. Sure. I- I'm super passionate about it. Um I mean, I'll just start by saying I'm not a counselor. I'm not even good at counseling, to be honest. Um, so I appreciate people who are gifted at it. Um, but you know, I'm obviously I'm a pastor, so I'm a follower of Jesus, and I really do see faith as being critical to the life of human beings. So you know, I have a bi- I have a bias that way. Probably, I won't surprise anybody. Um, but for me, I think. You know, I, and we can talk about this, but I've got my own journey with mental health and anxiety and that, that I've been on. And so over the course of time was reading a lot on it. I'm kind of like that where, you know, I pick a wormhole of a topic and I'll just kind of read and read and read on it. And I'd spend a lot of time reading about it and a lot of time looking at what, what the Bible had to say, what scripture had to say and going, man, there's unbelievable connection here. Mm-hmm. And but realizing, okay, I really do think the Christian faith has a lot to say about our mental health, but not as psychologists. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a professor when it comes to you know when it comes to somebody with um, with a doctorate who's speaking on this. I'm not a trained counselor. But I, when I look at scripture, there is really a spiritual side of this. 
And I thought, who's having the conversation about the spiritual side of mental health? We talk about the physical side. That's really important. We talk about the mental side of it. We talk about the emotional side of it. All those things are really, really key. But I'm always asking the question, but what about our soul? Um, What's happening to our soul in the midst of things like this? And so, you know, I started and then I started to read a, a number of things that talk about just mental health and spiritual life. There's a there's a lot of really good things out there. A really good book called Anatomy of the Soul by a guy named Kurt Thompson. Um, yeah, who's a doctor who does a lot of neurobiology stuff. Um, Andy Kolber, who has written some really great stuff, uh, in particularly around trauma. A, a book called Leadership Anxiety, Managing Leadership Anxiety, which was really, really uh, helpful to be my Steve Cuss, who deals with church leaders and business leaders who do with anxiety. So I'm reading all of this stuff and going, they're all leaning into the spiritual side of it. I'm looking at, at what my Bible has to say. And you see the connection you see, you know, in yeah. scripture, Jesus says, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And you see, there's an integrated approach when it comes to the holistic to approach to your health. When, when I open my Bible, I see all kinds of people who we deem heroes in the Christian faith and you get reading about them. And these guys are struggling with all kinds of issues. I mean, there's a prophet named Jeremiah. They call the weeping prophet because I mean, it seems like he was in depression all the time. (laughs) Elijah had his own challenges that way. People like Job who experienced incredible trauma and grief in their life. The -hmm. apostle Paul himself, who talks about the trauma he uh, experienced between persecution, ridicule, shipwrecked, um, you know, people abandoning him, all of those things. Um, And so you look at all of that and you go, man, this is, I look at all that and go, there are a lot of people dealing with mental health when you look at what scripture has to say. And then you look at Jesus and the practices of Jesus, prayer, meditation, um, community, sharing your story, Sabbath, silence, Mm -hmm. All things that when you read about it are all practices that change your neural pathways, all practices that change the way you think. And uh, then there's so much in scripture about your mind, about facing worry, about exposing lies. That's so much of what the Christian faith is about. And then you've got Jesus who identifies with our trauma, who brings healing through purpose. You've got all, you get all kinds of these things and you look through it and you go, man, there is a spiritual aspect to all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it's a really, if you are curious about faith and you're struggling when it comes to mental health, I think the spiritual side of it is a whole facet that if you don't explore it, you're missing one of the most yeah. important pieces to be mentally healthy. Yeah. I love that. And and here at the center, our approach is very much a holistic one. And even in my training um, to do psychotherapy, we really look at what they call the biopsychosocial approach. And under all of those headings, it's really saying all of these facets work together. And we are not, we can't discreetly say your mental health is here, your physical health is here, your spiritual health is here, your emotional health is here. We, it's all intertwined. We are holistic beings. We're designed. You and I both believe we are created in these amazing ways that our systems are interrelated and fascinating. And one of the things that's my um, passion is to show that intersection of Christian spirituality and psychotherapy and how there is such a 
a beautiful relationship there. And a number of the authors that you mentioned, you know, are people who are in those pathways. Another one that comes to mind is, is Henry Cloud, you know, but people who are, who are saying we're studying psychology as a, as a science, we're doing research and the research is pointing us back essentially to what God has already told us. And so right. there's these beautiful connections, you know, things like looking at the research on gratitude, looking at the research on neuroplasticity, looking at the research on journaling and telling your story and speaking on being socially connected and supported. All of that research points us back, in my opinion, to, to things that scripture has already told us right? and just reaffirms it. And I, I think there's so much of that where it's just fascinating to me. I remember having this one um, it was such a strange moment, but it was so profound. When I went to Queen's University, I did an undergrad in um, English and chemistry and then went into teaching. And so I was in a third year biochem class, which is sort of a random thing. I remember sitting in this big hall and they were talking about, you know, the process of different things being carried through the cellular membrane and the intricacy of all these systems. And I was just like, in awe because I thought to myself, like, we're starting to understand this, but God has already designed this. Like right. to get your calcium to here, this is the system. And it, it's like, it blows your mind, right? It's so awesome, truly. And so I think so much of what is encouraging to my heart is when people are, are, and that's, you know, again, that's my sweet spot here at the center. We don't only do uh, faith-based integrated counseling, but it is a niche for us for this reason, because it's a personal passion of mine. But when we see that, when we see how these things that we're learning about our, our neuroplasticity, our brain able to create new pathways, and then when we're told in scripture to renew our minds, to think on certain things, you know, we have this beautiful revealing in the research of God's provision in design. And I just... It just gets me so excited every time I see that. I'm like, yep, you know, God showed us that. That's, that's got, you know, and it gets me really excited. But I also see how, because of that, really our mental health, which it's really a misnomer because a lot of times we have this like umbrella that we say is mental health, but really it's basically we're not optimally functioning, we're not thriving. And that includes so many facets. Yes, it's mental, but it is also emotional and relational and financial and uh, interpersonal and spiritual and all those things, you know? So so anyway, I get really excited about this, as you can tell. And I think it is when you are looking at things are not as they should be for me in how I'm feeling, how I'm engaging in my relationships, how I'm feeling at work, there's a broader invitational question to say, how, how if I back the camera up, how do how can I think about this and really be open to other facets that might need attention that I've been neglecting? And that could be your sleep patterns, you know, it could be it could be any number of things, but it definitely could also be a spiritual disconnect and existential challenges and a loss of meaning and a loss of purposefulness and like a directionless a directionlessness. I don't know if that's the right word, a hopelessness, sure. you know, those kinds of things. So, so there's, there's no question that those two um, are interrelated in my mind as well. Yeah, so, I, I look at, uh, there's a, a study that um, a, a guy who works in neurological disorders. I think it's Jordan Grafman is the name, but he studies the, your brain. They went looking for the God spot 
it's a different kind of G spot, but they're looking for the God spot on your <laughs> yeah. brain and going like, Hey, where is it? And it's so interesting. They came out on the other end of that study and said, Oh, there's no spot. Your brain it's really interesting conclusion. Your brain is actually a, a belief system. Like it yes. is the whole thing is in a sense, um, spiritual. You could argue in some ways that your mind itself, because it's, it really is a belief system. When you think about it, so much of what you as a counselor do is helping people understand, Hey, what do you believe? Which parts of this are true? Which parts of this are not true? How are you handling it? And you think, Oh yeah. Like my brain is deciding what I believe and what I don't believe mm -hmm. in a sense. It is our entire minds are designed to believe in something. And mm -hmm. so we should pay attention to that. Right. And we should, we should think about how it is that we want to believe instead of just being on autopilot. Right. I right. mean, that's so much of the work that we do is, is illuminate automatic unconscious beliefs that are propping up behaviors and feelings and all sorts of things. So it's, it's shining light on that and having conversations and saying, Oh, I get to actually choose that belief system. It doesn't, it's not just a default. And another great resource for people who are looking for that intersection of the mind brain connection is Dr. Caroline Leaf. She's a neurobiologist. She writes all about that intersection. It's, it's really fabulous research and fascinating uh, to listen to. So another great resource out there, but let's bring it back to, you know, your work and your ministry in the local church. And I wonder what you see as the sort of challenges for congregations um, in relating to this, because we know, we know you and I both working with people, we know there are mental health challenges and the church is not exempt. So how are you addressing those? What's your perspective on that? What do you see happening in that? in that area in your ministry. Yeah, I think one of the one of the one of the pitfalls when it comes to people of faith is to say well you can just pray it away. Um mm. uh, you know, you just don't have enough faith and that's why you're struggling and that's very dangerous. Um Yeah, that's the I, spiritual I think, bypassing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. also it can be it can also communicate um that that the choice to take medication isn't a good choice. And for many people, you know, it can be the right choice. So there is a stigma. There's a stigma in the culture too, but, um, but when it comes to kind of pray it away, th that's not helpful. And so what we do a lot is there's a lot of modeling from the platform. So I, we talk regularly, Carrie, the founder of our church before me, we talk regularly about the counselors that we see um, appropriately. Um, we talk about, you know, our own mental health struggles that, that we have in our own life. I talk about my own anxiety and we really try to model authenticity as a strength and right. to allow people to see what we see at our church is God is for you. We really believe that even if you aren't sure and your church should be too. And we want to create a right. space where you can have conversations, even if you don't even believe what we believe, you can be open and authentic about all aspects of your life, including mental health. Um, and so by modeling it, you're really unlocking um, the shame and the fear a little bit there for people. So because they're coming in and they're saying, most people are saying, if you know me, will you still love me? Um, mm -hmm. if you really know what's going on in my life. 
And so by modeling from the front, hey, this is a community where I'm making known where I'm at authentically and and I'm the leader of this place. And so right. you know, you'd th- like people will say to me, you know, how can you be so authentic? And I'm like, well, how can I not? Like then I'm not I'm not leading with any kind of integrity. So modeling it is a really, really important piece for us. So we're we're very open about our own personal journeys in an appropriate way. Um, you know, if I'm processing something live in the moment in my life, it's probably not the best time to say it into a microphone. Um, right. But, you know, trying to be authentic with people. So that, that's been a really big part of things because fundamentally what, what I really believe is that at the heart of every human being is a desire to be known mm-hmm. and we want to be known. And we're afraid if we're really known, we won't really be loved. Um, if we're really known, we're going to experience shame. And that's because that happens to us sometimes. Um, for someone who's not a counselor, I talk like a counselor sometimes, but that that's the, <laughs> like, there is a de- that desire to be known. And that's what the Christian faith is really all about. It's about a God who knows you, a God who loves you, who wants to know you in a personal way to the point he would send his very own son into humanity, God you know, God with flesh on, on earth with a desire to build relationship with you. I mean, that is a big part of what the Christian faith is about. And so, but people are saying, if you really knew me though, the people, the people who follow Jesus, if they really knew me, would they really still love me? And so it's all about addressing stigma, modeling authenticity, sharing our own story, and then stepping up when you need to get in the corner of people. So that's kind of the public platform way we've done that. Um, then we also have a couple of things we just do really practically. We'll do series on mental health. Right now, I'm doing five-week series on loneliness um, yes. and, and meaningful relationships and how you actually, we could talk all day about that, but you know, how do you create meaningful, I'm really teaching people through scripture how to create meaningful relationships in their life and why they're valuable. Um, then we have a course, an eight-week course called uh, Sanctuary. I highly recommend. It's free for any group to use. It's a group curriculum around spirituality and mental health. They bring in a bunch of world-class mental health experts. People share about their journey. That's been really great. Um, We also have a course that goes alongside people who um, are in AA um, that helps people to say, hey, because what we were finding was post-COVID, all of these people struggling with addiction we're all like arriving at our church and a lot of them had were in AA and AA is a, is great what they do, but it talks about a higher power and people were showing up at our church going, okay, well tell us what that means. Like who is the higher power? What is the higher power? And so we have a course that goes alongside, doesn't replace, but goes alongside AA to have a conversation about the Christian faith and what it is. So, you know, that's also um, been something just practically we've had to do to kind of give people space to have a, a conversation. And then, uh, you know, I think the other thing is just continuing to speak to the mental side of faith as a part of the ongoing conversation. Um, you know, you you talked earlier about, you know, Romans 12.2 talks about, you know, renewing the patterns of your mind, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I talk about, you know, ch- making new making new trenches in your mind, you know, ruts versus trenches and neural pathways. That's, that's somewhat a part of it. Um, 
I look at Philippians 4, which, you know, I think anybody doing CBT could use Philippians 4, which talks about like a practice of peace, choosing joy, um, fixing your thoughts on true and honorable and right and pure and lovely things, prayer yep. being the key to unlocking a practice of peace. So um, all of these things are, it just shows people, oh, wow, my faith is really can be integrated with my mental health and actually something at the heart of helping me move towards thriving. Um, mm -hmm. Also, I think sometimes people have a mentality of cured versus sick, um, you know? And so I like to have a conversation around, Hey, are you moving towards thriving or are you moving towards surviving? And what does that look like? Um, because I think right. sometimes in, in some traditional faith circles, it can be like, well, you just need to pray it away and then get cured. And there's right. an element of, well, that's not the way it works for everyone. And so helping facilitate that kind of conversation. Yeah, so many great things there and different facets to address different parts of what you're dealing with in your ministry. And a couple of things that came forward is um, the way that I'm training our therapists here is we are always train, training as fellow sojourners. So we are on the journey as well. We are just like you in leadership. We're sitting across from you in a therapy room, but we are human beings on our own therapy journey. And counselors have counselors. Like that's part of actually our, what we call our safe and effective use right. of self protocol. So we normalize that. You know, we don't put ourselves on a pedestal where we are not also on our own mental health journey. And we work in supervision groups and peer consultation groups to keep our biases and things in check and to manage our own mental health journeys and to balance our rest and engagement with people, you know, so it's a really, it is a really important thing to recognize, you know, I think Henry Nowen's phrase for it is that we're all wounded healers, you know, that we are not without our own wounds and our own stories. But in fact, when we sojourn with people, when we walk alongside of them with the gifts that we have in the lanes that, you know, we're being called to serve, there's a profound connection and, um, movement forward. And, you know, we could get into all kinds of things around discipleship and what that looks like. And, but, you know, that's sort of the concept from, from the therapy stance as well, um, is not putting ourselves out there as the expert. In fact, you are the expert in your own life. We are getting into the passenger seat with you in mm. the driver's seat of your own journey. And we're, we're showing up with everything we, you know, we've got to support you along the way. So we love that. I know um, you mentioned briefly addiction, and I know um, that that is an increasing challenge. And so I'm really glad to hear that you have some things available and resources that can be complementary for people. We have uh, a therapist here who works um, in developing a specialty in that area as well. And so I just wanted to make that uh, known to people if they are struggling with addiction. That is something we are recognizing as on the rise again probably its own other full conversation, but we certainly are developing resources and supports around that because um, it's it's a challenge and we are seeing it too. And I, I think one of the things that you are reflecting or trying to reflect in from leadership in the church is also that stance of non-judgment. Like you can come as you are. And that's that's how it is in therapy. That's how we want it to be in church. But I think some of that spiritual bypassing the um the sense that you have to show up all you know quaffed and perfect to come in you know to a church you know just really smashing that 
um, stigma, it's so important. So I'm just really glad to hear you say that. But I think that resonates also with why the the healing relationships that operate from that non-judgment, that it's like you, you don't have to censor yourself to come and talk to a therapist. In fact, you can say whatever you need to say, and you can do that in your own timing and that's that's okay. And so to have other communities that are saying that's actually okay here too in our small groups or in this AA, you know, adjacent support group kind of thing. So so I do think that's so important for people because we are so guarded, we're so protected. We we really do hide behind so many masks. And so um and, and they're there because we're trying to guard our hearts against pain, right? So I just love the idea of creating more and more. I know we talk about safe spaces. I feel like it's a, I feel like it's a great concept, but maybe an overused term that doesn't actually mean safe spaces all the time. But that is what we're trying to do, right? So I love. Yeah, that. and the difference I think that the unique, the unique role of the church has is I think sometimes when we say safe spaces, often what people people mean different things by those words. So safe spaces in a lot of a lot of places can mean places where everybody thinks how i think or behaves mm-hmm. how i behave so it's safe here because we're all the same mm-hmm. the unique gift of the church is creating a safe space where people will walk people through building relationships meaningful ones together where they actually might disagree on a number of different things in their life they might yeah. you know there are people on both sides of the political aisle who have a Christian faith in common. There are people on both sides of the, you know, what medical treatment should like look like or what mental health treatment should look like. Um, sure. Who would say they have a Christian faith in common. And that's the unique part of the, the church. I think the church done uh, well at its best. Anyhow, we're not, it's not perfect, but at its best is, Hey, this is a space where um, we all are rallying around trying to discover who is Jesus? What does it mean to follow him? What does that look like wherever we're at on the journey? And I realize we're not all the same in this room, but it's a still a place where I can be real about who I am and know that I'm not going to get brushed aside. Um, mm-hmm. It's not easy to do, but um, can be done. Yeah. And from a psychology standpoint, like that self-censorship piece, like if people do feel that in order to gain belonging, they cannot say what they actually think, or they cannot be in the presence of others who have differing opinions. And boy, again, that's sort of the zeitgeist of our age through the COVID time is that you can't coexist with people and everybody's polarized and you're either for or against. And it's just not true. It's not where people live. Um, but it can feel like I cannot verbalize or say it because my belonging may be compromised here. And right. so I think if we can push back on that and say, actually, true belonging is not the same. It's not agreeing on every point, minutia point about politics or even theology. Like there's so many places sure. where it's like, we don't need that, that level of of um, sameness. We don't need to paint. We can actually exist in diversity and on the journey and be united in this way. And so, you know, I think that's really great too. So I want to, uh, I want to just um, move a little bit. If you could share um, a little bit about your own 
spiritual journey as it interrelates to mental health. You've alluded a little bit to dealing with anxiety, but I'm just wondering if there are some sort of particular insights for you that have come out of that journey that might be helpful for others, you know, who are trying to integrate these two paths. Yeah. I mean, ministry is its own unique um, role in life, its own unique uh, calling. Um, a, a lot of, a lot of pastors who do what I do would say what we do is a lot of it is a series of, of losses. Um, you walk people through loss. Um, people move away who you've built relationship from your church. Um, you know, maybe they change cities, maybe they change churches, um, walking people through loss. And then it's not just loss as far as like death loss. It's like, you know, people are coming to you with death of dreams, death of relationships, all of these things. That's very similar to counseling. And so there's an element of you have to learn how to grieve all of those things. And that's often what leads to burnout for a lot of people who do what I do. They don't, they don't grieve those things because they're moving too quickly to take the time to grieve them. And so um, I don't know if that's what led to it. I would say part of what led to it was just a real workaholism drive that I had that led me to my very first panic attack a number of years ago now, maybe 10 years ago. I had no idea what was going on. It had totally hit me out of the blue. Um, I landed with a great counselor who immediately day one gave me some CBT tools. I didn't know it was called CBT then, um, but gave me some tools where like the panic attacks immediately, you know, I was able to handle them and I'll, I'll never, I was like, wow, that guy gave me like three ideas. And I just, now this doesn't happen anymore. Like, this is crazy. Um, because I yeah. thought, oh my gosh, I can't even get out of bed. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, I was that anxious. Um, you know how, you know, when you get in that spiral of like your anxiety is making you anxious and like it spirals. I was, I was in like a bad place on that. And yeah, um, saw this counselor. He's walked with me for years. Really good, really great person. Um, and so it became okay. This is great. Then I'm seeing this stuff in scripture, and I'm looking at all of that, and I'm feeling like okay, I've got a lot of tools now. Like um, I had somebody actually who who um, gave me assessment of people who lead organizations and said to me congratulations, you're in the top 1% of anxious people who do, uh, who lead organizations. I was like, Oh, I don't think that's an award that I wanted, but thank you. Um, so yeah. then it's like, okay, CBT gave me a lot of tools and that was really great. But then I felt like I'm stuck. Um, I've got the tools, but I want to know what's underneath all of this. And, um, where is this all kind of coming from? And I did two weeks. A couple of my friends have been a place called Restoring the Soul. They do two-week counseling intensives with a guy named Michael Cusick. So it's three hours with a counselor a day for five days for two weeks, five days a week. Um, and it's a lot of, it's like a faith. In my case, it was a lot of faith-based slash EMDR therapy um, that was just really, really helpful to me. And really helped me uncover, um, it's so interesting, really helped me uncover, to me anyway, it really helped me uncover my desire to be fully known and fully loved as a human being. And where has that come from? And I've probably been anxious since I was about 12 years old and have spent my entire life trying to use performance results 
to make everything okay. And, uh, and unpacking all of that really, really changed my life. Um, and I was like, I didn't know anything about EMDR. Like everybody listening to this probably knows everything about it. I didn't know anything. I was like, what are these things you're putting on my fingers? Like, like this is weird, but I was, I was really at the ceiling of like, I don't need another tool. Like, I want to know why this is happening to me. And I'm not asking anybody to take it away. I know that's not how this works, but I am looking for, you know, what is the answer here? And to integrate that faith-based wise Mm -hmm. and just to go, man, to be, to be both reminded and reinforced that Jesus is the embodiment of the fact that God wants to be in relationship with me, wants to forgive me, wants to know me, wants what's best for me, wants to know me in a personal way that I'm, Tim Keller says, I'm fully, fully known in all areas of my life by God and fully loved at the same time. And that he is the embodiment of that. Um, And realizing that, um, just at the heart of what I was looking for was that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's a joy to spend the rest of my life figuring out what that means and what that right. looks like. And, and the tools are still helpful and I'm yeah. and there's nothing wrong with CBT. It's a, a incredible. It's a gift to so many people, but it really was a journey from, I don't know what's happening all the way to uh, man finding uh, a place where my heart can be restful in a body that'll for a lot of my years probably felt like was running from a bear 24 seven. And so right. figuring out what it means to practice peace, connect with God, be known by him. It's changed my life. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm familiar with restoring the soul. It's one of the podcasts that I keep on rotation for what they're doing. Cause it's just so fabulous. And I, I think there is a lot of merit in thinking about those times where we fully step away. I mean, Jesus modeled that as well. You know, times where you're really pulling away from the crowd to go deeper um, with God. And, and I think they do a great job of offering those kind of intensives, right. That you can't always get from a weekly therapy session. And so, you know, I do love what they're doing as well. A great resource for people to follow along. One thing that came to mind for me that might be helpful for people is to understand kind of what you've described there in your journey Um, which is that, you know, we usually work with clients where we start with sort of what I would call an emotional regulation tier. So it's like, let's get them stabilized, right? Let's get them able. And then, and then as they have the tools to stabilize, then you can go deeper and you can start to do some deeper processing and some healing and some grieving, but we don't rush people to that right? It has to come on their own timing and with that stability, because otherwise we might overwhelm them or flood them or actually hurt them, which is why it's really important to know what you're doing in psychotherapy and not to have somebody who's not a psychotherapist working with people, because we're talking about your nervous system and we want to be gentle with that window of tolerance. And so for a lot of people, you know, they're afraid to come to therapy sometimes because they're like, ah, you know, they're going to ask me about my relationship with my late father or something, and I'm not ready to go there. You don't have to be ready to go there. We just want to get you regulated and feeling like you can get your nervous system back online and stabilized. And as you are able, you can go deeper into that processing and more and more layers of healing can be relieved. You know, so 
So I hear that in your story. And I think that's good for people to know about therapy that you're not like immediately jumping in. You know, you are in the driver's seat. You are, we are working with you to, to stabilize that. And I think that's so important. Yeah. And I think, I think the, you know, the interesting thing with, I don't know if this is helpful to people, but what was helpful for me at the restoring the soul was really the time because, um, a one hour counseling session was what I was always booking. And at a certain point, I think in some ways it's very practically like just not long enough. Like we couldn't get to what I need to get to because it's like, okay, we got to talk about catch up to what we talked about last week. And at the end, we got to talk about next steps. And so in the middle, you got 45 minutes. And I think I was sort of bringing surface issues that were just cyclical. So after a while, you're like, hey, we're just having the same conversation. You know, right. it's just three conversations mm-hmm. that keep revolving every single counseling session. I need to kind of, I kind of got desperate to, I want to get underneath this. Right. And there is something there just about length of time, like three hours. Mm-hmm in a session, you're going to get, you know, you're going to go, you're going to go to a different conversation than you, than you have time to in 45 minutes. Absolutely. And to that point, what's interesting about our approach here too, is uh, so myself personally, when I meet with my uh, spiritual director, I request 90 minutes because I know my own processing arc doesn't fit in the typical 50 minute hour. So even though that is the billable time, base unit, you can request less frequent sessions at a longer period of time if mm-hmm. that is what you need. And so that's so that's it's so great to think about that again. Does is this getting me deep enough? Can I stay with it? Can I even make space? Am I just shoving this in between things where I don't even have time after my session because I'm booked for something else to even process the session. Right. So lots right. of times we're encouraging people to journal a little bit and sit with what happened in the session after the session, but we're often running to the next thing. So lots of ways to think about making your, your work spacious, including that stepping away. Okay. Last quick question. I know we got to wrap up here. The question we're asking everybody in this season um, on the podcast is what is keeping you well in this season? And so not necessarily in winter, but in this season of your life, it could be in winter. There's lots of people doing things, but you can kind of answer it season of your life. I know you mentioned before we uh, jumped on here pressing record that you're in a really busy season of growth in the church. And so maybe there's something that's sustaining you in that season in ministry, but we'd love to hear your, your, your ideas there. What's keeping you well at this time in your life. Um, uh, in the seasons like this, I work hard to double down on relationships, um, meaning the meaningful relationships in my life. So I have, um, probably I'm, I'm going to say 10 key relationships in my life out, outside my marriage, friends, meaningful friendships. And out of that, probably kind of th- two to three really close friendships. And, um, that's really been a, a big part of my journey and something I double down on. I know January, February, February can be a bit tough for me. And so, okay, I need to prioritize that. I need to have dinner, not just a phone call. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm very convinced um, that the loneliness we're experiencing in our world is because consumption has just become super convenient and it's made relationships feel way less convenient. And uh, before when you had to go to the store to buy everything, I'm just, I mean, that makes me sound old, but you you get the point. (laughs) 
I was you, there. You had to have a network of people to survive life. You know, you had to see people every day in a world that's that sort of is pushing us towards be more independent, uh, position yourself more to not need anybody, and that will bring you success. Um, what happens is building relationships feels inconvenient. And so pushing myself outside of that and going, yeah, it's inconvenient, but it's super valuable um, mm -hmm. because the day I die, they're not going to put, you know, the stack of money I made or how many hours I worked. It's going to be the people who love me that are going to be there and, yeah. and that's going to be a life well lived. And so I need to keep making those relational deposits along the way. Yeah, I love that. And it's interesting in many of our conversations, one of the things that has come up the most is pressing into social support in some format. So it's obviously a common need, um, you know, that people are experiencing that disconnect and they're needing to ramp up that interpersonal connection and deep relationship because we've we've kind of forgotten. We're sort of we're sort of used to these patterns where we were isolated and we haven't sort of re-entry into what we used to do so great encouragement for people and i also want to just echo if we know that we're going through a tough time we want to increase the supports and what often happens is going through a test tough time or a busy time we decrease that's the true. things that support us so thinking about toggling that saying if january february is tough increase your therapy appointments knowing that get out into a group with that awareness because you're going to need it even more than you do in july for example mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. great great advice okay we're going to wrap up for today thank you so much jeff for this conversation i've really appreciated your thoughts we love what you're doing at connexus we love our partnership there um i think there's lots of great resources we've mentioned different books podcasts all sorts of things that we'll get into the show notes and we'll have uh lots of further discussion that people can have related to this so thanks for opening up that conversation and for your time and of course if you are looking for uh someone that you need to connect with you're looking for a therapy um, connection please do not hesitate to reach out to Kavi wellness center we are absolutely here for that we exist to serve you in that way and we want to support you in finding a great fit for your holistic health needs from the lens of mental health and so we'd be happy to do that everything's on the website coveywellnesscenter.com okay thanks so much and jeff just remind people connects people can just find connexus right just search yeah, connexus if you just google connexus c-n-n-e-x-u-s connexus church you'll find us great okay thanks for thanks having me sarah for your time take care